1 Corinthians chapter 14. I know that the screen says verses 1 through 25. We probably aren't going to get through verse 25 today, so we'll, we'll just get as far as we'll get. We, uh, we'll probably just kind of cut it off at, at uh, uh, verse 12. So have no fear. We will eventually get to 25, but that was kind of a big chunk for us to, to have to tackle today. I hate to break it up because this chunk of Scripture really goes together. So if you ever go back and, and read this on your own during the week and kind of uh, get ahead and, and kind of see what we're, what we're getting into in the weeks to come, uh, when you read verses 1 through 25, and really all of chapter 14, it kind of goes together as one, one section. But we're going to break it up just for, for time reasons. We, I don't want to keep you guys in here for two hours, unless you want to, in which case... We'll do it, but I don't think anybody wants to do that based on y'all's reactions there. So we we'll, <laughs> we will just we'll we'll just make it as far as we get. We got plenty of time. We'll we'll preach till we get through, and if Jesus comes back before we get through, then it won't matter. We won't care anyway. Uh, but First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verses one through twelve. When you get it, say got it. All right, All right. that's great. We'll read through the text, then we'll pray, and then we'll talk about it for a minute. 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, and above all that you may prophesy. For the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men, but to God, since no one understands him. However, he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification encouragement, and consolation. The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. I wish all of you spoke in, another, in other languages, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in languages, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. But now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in other languages, how will I benefit you unless I speak to you with a revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? Even inanimate things that produce sounds, whether flute or harp, if they don't make a distinction in the notes, how will what is played on the flute or harp be recognized? In fact, if the trumpet makes an unclear sound, who will prepare for battle. In the same way, unless you use your tongue for intelligible speech, how will what is spoken be known? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different kinds of languages in the world, and all have meaning. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker will be a foreigner to me. So also you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, seek to excel in building up the church. Let's pray. Father God, I pray that these words would benefit us today, that there would be things here that the Holy Spirit would point out to us, God, that you would help me to speak and teach and preach uh, in a way that's going to be beneficial for the people that are here, dear Lord. 
God, this is kind of some tough stuff when we begin to read about these speaking in tongues and talk about this subject and what Paul might have or might not have been uh, implying here as he talks about these things, things that may be hard for us to understand. But God, help us not to quarrel over things that, that, that may not be a big deal. God, help us to try our best to understand these things that may seem strange to us. And help us not to be quick to judge when we speak of the, the gift of tongues, dear Lord. But I pray as we read this passage today that we see the importance, the real point that Paul is trying to make uh, known to us. And God, I pray that in everything we do today and in all of our work as Christians and as a church, that we bring glory to Jesus Christ. Let us never forget that, God, because that is what we are here for. Hide me behind the cross, dear Lord. Humble me. God, speak through me and use me in spite of me this morning. I pray that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. We talked about the gift of tongues a few weeks ago when we were in uh, chapter 12. Paul was talking about different spiritual gifts. We won't go into great detail and, and go through that again. That sermon can be found online if you care to hear that if you weren't here that day or, or need some clarification or at least what my beliefs are on what Paul was saying there uh, in those verses. Uh, but it is important for us for just a second to talk about this. If you want to listen to that sermon, by the way, the name of that sermon is What About Tongues? And so you can find that online. But, but Paul is still on this, this, this topic here of, of tongues. Some of your translations may use the word language. Some of your translations uh, may use the word tongues. Uh, but it's the same either way. Tongue simply means language. Uh, the difficulty, as we discussed a few weeks ago, is not does it mean language or not. It does mean a language, but what kind of language? A known human language, like, uh, let's say, Mandarin or Spanish or French or English, those are known languages, or an unknown language. Not that is an unknown language to us. There are many unknown languages to us, perhaps, but an unknown language in the sense that it is not a worldly language. It is a language that is from the Spirit of God, a language that causes us to produce words and sounds that uh, cannot be interpreted by a mere human unless they have the gift of interpretation. So what type of language is Paul talking about when he talks about speaking in tongues? Well, there's much debate, as we talked about a few weeks ago. One thing that we will, I will remind you guys of is that we need to be careful when we deal with this, this topic. There are Christians who believe and, uh, and speak in tongues and believe that that is a gift, and they believe in that speaking in tongues as in an unknown language. Perhaps you've heard someone speak in tongues, and Paul talks about a gift of the Spirit being tongues. Could that be what Paul was talking about there? Could he be talking about a spiritual language, a prayer language between people and God that may cause people to make sounds and say words that seem like gibberish to those of us who have, don't have the gift of interpretation? It's possible that Paul could have been speaking in that way, and there are Christians that hold that view and practice that gift. There are also Christians who hold the view that Paul was merely talking about known languages that he was simply talking about 
languages like you and I would know today, and that some people were gifted in a way that they could speak in those languages, which may have been uh, necessary in that day. There were many languages that would have been spoken in that area by the people, and that would have been a valuable gift to possess, to be able to speak to people from another place who spoke another language, if you would all of a sudden be able to speak that language. So there are Christians that believe that it's not uh, the first example we looked at with the sounds that may not be easy for us to understand, that they believe it's just a real human language. We need to be careful with this, and we need to be respectful to one another because this is a difficult thing maybe for us to understand. I believe that you could make the argument through Scripture for both ways, uh, both views there, but the, the difficulty comes when we speak in tongues in the fact that sometimes uh, one group uh, seems to uh, look down on another group. That is, there are some who possess the gift of tongues who look down on those who don't and say, well, you're not really a Christian, or you're not as strong of a Christian because you do not speak in tongues. Well, there may be others who don't speak in tongues in that way who look at those who in their mind are speaking gibberish and say, well, that is not of God, all that jibber-jabber. You're one of those crazy Christians. And so both sides may sometimes look down on the other side. Well, we want to be careful not to do that. It's a difficult uh, topic to discuss, and there are probably, no doubt, people in this room who hold both view. It does not mean uh, that one of you is a Christian and the other is not. It means it's a difficult text for us and our human minds maybe to wrap our heads around. But no matter what we hold as our view on the gift of tongues, we see in Paul's words in the last few chapters that he is making a very, very strong point. And we see that, I believe, very clearly in the text. That is, don't put too much emphasis on this gift to the point to where it takes away from doing God's work, it hinders the growth of the church, and it keeps others from coming to Christ. Now, it would seem from Paul's uh, repeating of this, this thought and these ideas of speaking in tongues or other languages, it would seem as though this was probably a problem for the church of Corinth. It was a problem, it seems, that they were putting too much emphasis on this gift. Now, we understand that because there are some in the world today who may put a little too much emphasis on the gifts of tongues. Not that Paul says that it's not a good gift or that it's not from the Lord or that it should be ignored. Paul never says that. He just says don't put too much emphasis on that and miss what really matters. Now, you will see in your translation of the Bible kind of what view your interpreters viewed based on the language that they use. Now, the Greek word that was used there is literally tongue. If you translate it, it should be tongue. We can't debate that. Uh, the question, though, as we mentioned, is what kind of language is it when we talk about tongues or languages? Is it a known language or an unknown language? Well, in my translation, which was written predominantly by Southern Baptists, you will notice that it does not use the word tongues because they have interpreted it to mean a human language. So they use the word language there. You can see that in the writing. Now, whether they're right or wrong, that's, that's for us to pray over and decide what we feel like God means there. If, for instance, you use a King James version of the Bible, their interpreters interpret it as being a, an unknown language. 
You know that because they insert the word unknown there. If you have a King James Bible, it will say unknown tongues. Well, the word unknown was not in the original Greek. That was a word that was added by the translators to help uh, have a better understanding of what Paul was trying to imply. Now, this is not uncommon. Some of us are saying, oh, they changed the, they changed the Bible. They added a word or took a word away. Well, understand the difficulties in language. Words have to be added and taken away to make them be understandable. We can't have exact literal translations. The interpreters do the best to their ability, I believe, and hope they do, to understand what they think God is trying to say. But just in these two examples, the interpreters interpret different ways. Which ones are right? Well, we don't know the answer to that. But we see that in our Bibles, and we may not realize that, that the interpreter is trying to point us in one direction or the other based on what they believe God has, has led us to. That's not of any real significance, but some of you may have noticed that in your Bible and may have wondered why the difference is there when we talk about tongues and languages. I guess that was kind of a, a lengthy introduction, but it's important for us to understand what we're talking about here. Now, Paul had talked about in chapter 13 about love. He got to what really mattered in chapter 13. He did not want the people to be consumed with and worried about and too focused on spiritual gifts, in particular those of tongues, but he wanted the people more so to be uh, consumed with loving one another. A real genuine love, that agape love that we talk about, that, 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 that love that God has for us. And we talked about the different types of loves and the Greek words that were used last week. But the word that is used there is agape. And that's the type of love that Paul is calling us to. Paul says love is what matters because love will never end. You see, the gifts will pass away. There will be a day that there will be no more need for tongues, whether it's a known or unknown language. There will be no more need. And there will be no more need for knowledge, as he says, because we will be all knowing. And there will be no more need of prophecy because all things will be fulfilled. But Paul would say in chapter 13 that love never ends. And so that helps us to understand what he's getting at in chapter 14 here, where he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. So he's telling them that they need to pursue love. Now he doesn't say don't worry about the spiritual gifts. We should desire those things as Christians. We should desire to be gifted by God, that the Holy Spirit would work in our lives and enable us to do God's work. And some of those ways that we saw mentioned in chapter 12, we should desire the gifts of the Spirit because they are important. They help us to grow, and they also help us to help others to grow and help us to reach others who need to be reached for Christ. And so here Paul says, pursue love. First and foremost, pursue love, because love is what's most important. We understand the idea of pursuit. If there is something that we really want, that we really have our focus on, we pursue that. And if it's something that we really want more than anything, there's not much that can stop us. We keep going, we keep going, we keep going, even when we're tired, even when it's difficult. When there's something we want, we pursue it. Sometimes you see that in relationships. 
I've heard many stories throughout my life of, of, of men. Uh, typically, it's older couples reflecting on their, on their relationship and how they have come together. And I've heard the story from a many of men that said, when I saw her, I told my friend who was with me, I'm going to marry that girl. And they did. And many times they've been together for 50 or 60 years. But it was not always easy. It's not that in that moment, in that first viewing, that they uh, uh, initially fell in love and were ready to marry them. That's not the case. Sometimes the man has to pursue the girl. But boy, men, we, we do that, don't we? We pursue. We don't take no for an answer. We keep pursuing when there's something that we want. We pursue, we pursue, we don't give up because that's what's really important to us. That's just one example, but hopefully it helps us to understand. When Paul says here to pursue love, he wants love to be what's most important to us as Christians. The gifts are good gifts. The gifts are from God. But we should pursue love with all we have and pray that God would bless us with the gifts that we need to be gifted with to do His work. But above all, when he talks about the gifts, he says, above all that you may prophesy. Now, he's mentioned prophecy a few times here. He focused on prophecy in chapter 13 and in the list in chapter 12 where he talks about the gifts and he says, first, that there are some who are apostles and the second thing that he lists is prophecy. Now, if we believe that Paul is giving a list of the gifts in order of importance, which I believe that he is, uh, and based on the fact that he is saying here that prophecy is important, first to be apostles, but next under that is to focus on the gift of prophecy. And of course, which one is last on his list of gifts? It is the gift of tongues. Sometimes we in our culture in certain uh, religions or certain Christians may want to elevate the gift of tongues higher than it should be elevated. Not saying that it's not a gift of God, but as Paul would say here, focus on prophecy. He was calling them, if you're going to desire the gifts, above all things, desire prophecy because Paul would say there's more benefit in prophesying. Now, that's a hard one for us to wrap our head around. Because prophecy is often a scary thing for us to think about, right? We think about prophecy, and a lot of times in Scripture, prophecy is dealing with something in a bad way. In particular, revelation may come to our minds. We think about the prophecy of revelation, and it's scary. To some extent, I think for most of us, we read these things, and it's like, wow, that's some pretty scary stuff that's going to happen. And we read those things and we think, well, prophecy is all bad. It's prophesying all the bad that is going to come. Well, yes, prophecy does do that, but prophecy can also be correcting. It can point out something or get someone's attention for something they need, their attention needs to be made aware of. Uh, prophecy uh, can be for good. It can be prophesying something good that is going to come. Uh, after all, we see bad and scary things in the book of Revelation, but we also see in the book of Revelation good things that are going to come. After all, we see a victorious Jesus who is going to come. We see the throne of heaven where all are around worshiping God. We see those from every tribe and every tongue and every nation who are there praising the Lord. We see a beautiful heaven where everything is perfect. 
We see a place where there is no more sorrow and no more tears. These are things that are all prophesied to us by John, and these are good things. And so there are oftentimes good things that come along with prophecy too. And so Paul is saying that some have that gift. I believe that they had the gift then, and they still do. And God may reveal to some uh, people things that, that, that they see that someone is doing or something that's going to occur, and we share those things if God has placed them on our heart and given us that gift. Not to say that we are prophets. We are not prophets, especially not in the sense of those we see in the Old Testament, Isaiah, for example. We are not prophesying in the same way, but sometimes I believe that God may reveal to us things. He may put things on our heart that may be for us to reveal to others, to build them up or to correct them or to encourage them. Paul will say here in these verses that the gift of prophecy will benefit the church and Christians for reaching unbelievers far more than the gift of speaking in tongues. For the person who speaks in another language is not speaking to men but to God since no one understands him however he speaks mysteries in the Spirit. So Paul says, look, there may have been some there, obviously there were, as we see in the rest of the context, who in church meetings were speaking in tongues. Now, whether that was a godly spiritual language or just a known human language, in whatever way that it was being uh, exercised, that gift, it was they were speaking words that no one else could understand. They were speaking things that were not understandable to the other people. And Paul would say, uh, there is no benefit in that. Sure, you may be praising God in whatever language it is you're speaking. You may be bringing glory to God. But if the rest of those around you only hear jibber-jabber, whether a known or unknown language, if others around you don't interpret or understand what you're saying, it's not beneficial for the whole group. God hears, God knows, the Spirit knows, but others don't know. Now Paul is talking about, if you caught when we were reading through, this idea of building up the church. Again, he's not saying that tongues was bad. He's simply saying that in their case, and maybe sometimes in our cases, that speaking in tongues is not really benefiting the people. There may be a time and place for that, maybe in private or maybe in a group where there's one to interpret. But generally speaking, I think Paul is saying here, we need to not get too carried away with those types of things, but rather, he says, focus on something that is going to benefit the people. That is prophecy. He says a little further in verse 3, But the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. So the one who speaks in tongues is, is standing up there talking into the air things that no one understands, that are not beneficial. But if God gives someone the gifts of prophecy, they are to use that for edification, for encouragement, for comforting those in the church, in the body. Edification means to, 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 to build up, to help somebody uh, grow, uh, to, to help somebody learn, to help somebody mature. Uh, we are, as Christians, being edified. We want to be edified. We want to grow in the Lord. We want to be corrected and instructed and to help learn what God's Word says so that we can grow in it. 
And Paul says through the gift of prophecy that can be fulfilled. That will be something that will bring benefit to the church. Now sometimes maybe if you have the prophetic gift or we encounter those who do, if someone comes to you and says, I feel like this is something God's laid on my heart that I need to tell you, well, first, we need to test the Spirit, as the Bible says. We don't believe everything everybody tells us. We test the Spirit, and we see if it is from God. Now, they may think that they have gotten a word from God, and maybe they haven't. They may have just dreamed it up their self, or maybe they are just misled. It doesn't necessarily mean that they are evil, that they are Satan in the flesh trying to deceive you. It may just mean that they have missed it. But it may be that there are some who are Christians who have received a word and God speaks that to you in some way. Uh, maybe they don't even realize it. Maybe they speak something that, that God has placed on their heart, but you hear it and you know instantly that it is the Holy Spirit trying to tell you something. And so the gift of prophecy here, Paul says, will be beneficial because as people hear these things, it may be things for their encouragement or it may be things for their uh, correction, or it may be things for their comfort. These are things that as Christians we all need. There are times that we need to be corrected because we sin. There are other times that we need to be encouraged. Maybe there's something we've done and we just feel down about how something's going or not going, and we need that word of encouragement. And there are definitely times as Christians that we need to be comforted. There are times where we go through sad, difficult experiences or face losses in our life that get us down, that may get us depressed, and we need to be consoled. We need to be comforted. So Paul says, see the benefit. See the benefit of tongues. It's you speaking and praising God all the same, but it's not helping your brothers and sisters. But see the benefit of prophecy, how it's correcting, encouraging, and consoling the brothers and sisters in Christ. He goes on to say in verse 4, The person who speaks in another language builds himself up, but he who prophesies builds up the church. Again, there is benefit from speaking in tongues. Paul says so there. Paul says the one who speaks in tongues builds himself up. We are growing in our relationship in the Lord when we speak in tongues, if you have that gift or know those who do. They are praising the Lord in the Spirit, and it is spiritually building them up. And Paul says that's a good thing, but he says we need to be more focused, not just on ourselves here, but on the building up of the church. We want to build one another up. We don't ever want to be guilty of being a selfish church. A church that is full of selfish people is a church that's probably not going to be very effective for the kingdom. A church that's probably not going to last very long at all. If we are only concerned about our own spiritual needs, or our own physical needs, and we care nothing about our brothers and sisters in Christ, then guess what? That church is not, not going to make it. But Paul says here, and is trying to make the point here, that as a body we need to be uh, concerned with and, 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 and pursuing the building up of one another with love. Therefore, we should be concerned about the other person who is living in unrepentant sin. We should be concerned about the person who is down and out. We should be concerned about the people who have lost a loved one. 
We should be concerned about the people who have a need, whether Christian or not. There are many needs in this world, and if we are too consumed with our own desires and needs, then we miss the needs of others, which is exactly opposite of what the gospel calls us to, which is exactly opposite of what Jesus called us to, which is exactly opposite of what Jesus did. Jesus was not uh, pursuing his own interest. He was pursuing ours when he came and uh, ministered on, on the earth and when he gave his life on the cross for us. And Paul is trying to get the church of Corinth here to have the same attitude, to have the same spirit uh, as Jesus had, uh, to get them from, from, from stumbling on some spiritual gifts to focusing on what matters, and that is the building up of the church. Verse 5, I wish all of you spoke in other languages, but even more that you prophesied. The person who prophesies is greater than the person who speaks in languages, unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Again, he's making these distinctions between the two. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Not that they're not equal or, or one's better than the other. But, but in a sense, he's greater because he is helping the church to grow. He is helping to build up the church, the one who prophesies. And so, uh, the person who speaks is greater than the person who speaks in languages unless he interprets so that the church may be built up. Again, we see that language. We see that idea of the church being built up. Now, I have heard people speak in tongues before on several different occasions. But one thing that I have never heard in my life is I've never once heard anyone to interpret anyone speaking in tongues. Now, Paul points out the significance of this here. Uh, we will see that in greater detail as we go along in the next couple of weeks. Uh, but, but Paul is saying that the church is not being built up without an interpreter. So does that mean that everyone who may speak in tongues in public is, is out of place? Well, maybe or maybe not. If they do so in an orderly manner and there is someone there to interpret what is being said, then, then it can be used for the benefit of the people. And that is what Paul's concern is in this chapter, in these passages. His concern is that people are benefiting from coming together uh, corporatively as a group, as a church, as a body, that they are benefiting from hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we desire to do, hopefully, is we want to benefit from hearing God's word, from learning God's word, so that we can grow in the Lord. So that our, 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 uh, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to think about. But that so we can be uh, better prepared to go out into the world to teach and preach uh, people about Jesus Christ. We want to be prepared, and the only way that we can be prepared is to, one, be in God's Word, to understand what we are reading, to understand what is being preached to us, to understand what is being taught to us. Now, Paul goes on to say later on that he would rather speak five words of intelligible language than 10,000 words that no one would understand. And that's important for us to remember, church. It's important for us to remember that, especially for those of you who may uh, be in a teaching capacity. 
There may be some of you who teach or will teach in the future. And one key thing for, for those of us who preach and teach is we want to try to do so in a way that's not confusing to our hearers. I think sometimes as preachers and as teachers, we may can get too smart for our own good. We spend our time reading books by big fancy authors that use big fancy words, and we begin to dig into things deep that maybe other people have not dug into. And we do that for so long that we forget that maybe not everybody is on our level. Not to say that the teacher and the preacher are the smartest knowing people in the world, but as Christians, we're all at different levels. There are some who have much greater knowledge. There are many, many people in this world that have much greater knowledge than me. I am far at the bottom of the list. But there may be those sometimes that we encounter, even as little of knowledge as we may have, that may have less than us. And we need to be careful when we preach or when we teach. Here's one thing that we can be careful of, is when we are teaching someone, is to not say, make a reference to a story and say, and you've heard that story, or you've all heard that story, or you all know that story. Well, maybe the audience does know the story, or maybe they do not. Maybe they know the biblical character, or maybe they do not. And if we're trying to reach a group of people and they've started coming to our class or they've started coming to our small group or they started coming to our church and we begin to preach and teach in a way that, well, you know this and you know that, and they don't, then they begin to feel like, whoa, one, I'm, I'm not as smart as I should be. And they become embarrassed. What if the teacher calls on me in class and I don't know the answer? So we need to be careful with how we present the gospel and present God's word because we want to do so in a way that's understandable. Now, I know that's different from what Paul is talking about here. I understand the context of speaking in tongues, but he's also talking about uh, being able to preach in a way that is understandable, whether we're speaking in a native tongue or a spiritual tongue or whatever it may be. We want to present God's Word in an understandable way, even if we are presenting it in English that most of the people we encounter will know. So we need to be mindful about the things that we say, that we preach and teach. And we also need to realize that it's okay to ask questions if your teacher or your preacher says something. And you say, well, I didn't know what that word meant or that thing meant or that verse meant or that, that, that thing that you were talking about meant. That was way over my head. Well, I apologize if I ever do that, but don't ever be afraid to come ask me or go ask your teacher because the goal that we want, I hope and believe as a church, is that we build one another up. And that was the goal that Paul had, to build one another up, to pursue what matters. He's already told us that in chapter 13. Go back and read it if you want to. It's a great chapter about love, but it's not just a chapter that God wrote for wedding ceremonies. It's a chapter that God wrote because he was trying to tell us what true love was and what, love, uh, what, what, what is required of, of love, what love requires of you. And Paul says, pursue that. Pursue what love really is. Pursue the cause of helping other people who are in need. Have a love for their needs greater than you have a love for your own needs. Use the gifts that God gives you, but don't make the gifts to be the most important thing. 
Make sure that Jesus Christ is the most important thing. That the love that He had for us is the most important thing. That that love that we have for one another through Him, because of Him, is the most important thing. And if God gives us a gift or an ability, use that gift to build up the church. We come here to grow in the Lord. We come here to be built up. We come here to grow so that we can go and build up others. Sometimes we may get sidetracked from that by focusing on things that don't matter. Maybe it's gifts of the Spirit or maybe it's other things. But as a church, we need to have our focus where it needs to be. We want to be a church of brothers and sisters who build one another up. A church who puts Jesus Christ above everything. A church that loves and not hates. These are the things that Paul was trying to tell us. These are the things that Paul was not just trying to tell the Corinthian people. These words were as good for them as they are for us. Let us not miss what matters. Let us not miss that love of Jesus Christ that he talked about. His death on the cross. His resurrection. His being crucified on your behalf. Let us not miss what matters for what doesn't matter. Let us focus on building up the church and building up one another, and building up the kingdom of God in all that we do. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for these words. God, I pray that you help us to pursue what matters, that we don't wear ourselves out pursuing things that are going to be of no significance and no benefit to us or to the church, dear Lord. Help us as we deal with tough passages that have to do with speaking in tongues, dear Lord, and help us to be led by the Spirit to know what's what, God, get a proper understanding of the truth, but God, even if we don't get the answers that we want or look for, no matter how many times we've studied that passage, help us not to be discouraged, but help us, God, to be, uh, just to be mindful of those brothers and sisters in Christ who may believe in tongues or may not believe in tongues, dear Lord. Help us to still deal with one another in love and still be respectful to one another. Dear Lord, help us to not abuse any gifts that you give us, whatever they may be. God, maybe there are some in here and you've gifted us in a certain way. God, help us to use that gift to bring glory to your kingdom. And God, if we haven't been using our gifts to build you up, that you would help us to, to do that, dear Lord. That you would help us to use our gifts and abilities in a way that are going to be beneficial for the world. Dear Lord, we want to be built up and we want to grow in you, but we also want to take that knowledge that we learn from you and that truth that we see in your word through Jesus Christ, God, we want to take that truth into the world. So help us to be able to speak in a way that's simple enough and understandable enough that we don't bring confusion, but that we bring a, a light, dear Lord, that people see and understand your word and see and understand Jesus Christ and come to know him as Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name I pray it. Amen.